Hello. Hello, and welcome to X to the Zennial. Welcome to our next podcast. We are going to be talking about codependency. Codependency. Right? It's a thing that you and I talk about and have talked about often. Right. It's a thing I talk about at work a lot. Yeah, as a Um, counselor. As a therapist, yep. And really, uh, it's one of those things that I would say 90% of the people that come in have codependency to a degree. What would you say in the general population? Would you say like... Ooh, it's pretty high. It's pretty high? I mean, if if you take the section of humans that come to therapy, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm saying that 90% of those humans are codependent. Mm -hmm. Then I would say that the larger population of humans that don't come to therapy (laughs) are probably significantly higher to be codependent. Gotcha. Um... And the, the idea of codependency, most people, because uh, I do a lot of education around it, um, think that, or they have a, a misperception of what it is. Okay, so let's clarify misperceptions then and really like start to help with like skills, techniques, identification, all the things in this podcast. Absolutely. Awesome. And so the, the two things that go together often with codependency is boundaries. And uh, you can tell when somebody's been to therapy because they talk about boundaries. <laughs> or they just say no a lot. Well, it's a little <laughs> bit of both, right? Because they're able to like them. set that up. Right. So often the misperception of codependency is viewed through the lens of dependence, right? Um, there are four uh, dependence orientations. Um, so there's dependent, which the only... Humans that should be dependent are children. The tiny humans. Right? And and the smaller, because they can't do anything for themselves, right? Right. So they're the ones that should be dependent. There are obviously populations um, of humans like elderly or sick or whatever that are dependent mm-hmm. uh, to one degree or another. But really the, the kind of beginnings of dependence is when you depend on another person for all of your needs. Can we talk about some examples of those needs? Like, uh, like the well, need I mean, like for just, love? Well, even more basic than that is like food, shelter, clothing. Got it. We're Maslowing again. Right. Absolutely. Okay. And so we kind of look at most children cannot provide that for themselves. And certainly anybody under five. <laughs> right? Yeah. Really little Imagine humans. a little five-year-old going to work. <laughs> right? Briefcase, suit and tie. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. Michael P. Keaton. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so those those would be dependent humans, right? Right. So then the next one is independent. Okay. Uh, So that's someone who provides for their own needs, takes care of themselves, you know, does food, shelter, clothing, but also can request of others what they need uh, without really depending on someone to provide it for them. Right. Okay. Um, and then there's interdependent. So that's two independent humans coming together and working for the greater good, but each doing their part. Nice. That's kind of the ideal. Your Uh, teammate. Yes. In like coupledom or, or certainly, um, you know, working with others. You know, we, we talk a lot, you know, about people who work well with others or whatever. Right. Um, I do not. Uh, <laughs> I'm working on it every day. Awesome. Um, but codependence uh, is not a diagnosis. 
It is not in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which is what we use to yeah. diagnose humans. You know, you just blew my mind because I haven't looked at the DSM-5 in a long time. Yeah. And I did not know that that wasn't in there. Yeah, it's it's so not it's, a diagnostic. Because it's, it's not, not an Axis-1. Uh-uh. That makes sense now. It's not a personality disorder. No. No. But it can be coupled with Axis-1 diagnoses, Axis-2 diagnoses. Right. So it has a lot more to do with behavior. Okay. And how people act. But when you talk to someone who isn't aware of it, they automatically bristle and think, I'm not dependent on other people for whatever, you know, to get my needs met. And it's like, well, no, but you do behave in these ways, right? Um, So one of the books that I often recommend when it comes to codependency is a book by Melody Beattie called Codependent No More. Awesome. It's been around for a long, long time. I don't have a copy of it here, but I have a copy of it in my other office. Um, And she comes from the orientation of addiction. Oh, okay. Okay. So if we have a human who's addicted to substances, alcohol, drugs, whatever, shopping, sex, um, gambling. uh, (laughs) Can we say sex one more time? Sex. Um, Which, by the way. I want to make a podcast on sex, and we'll talk about yes! that Yes! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, complete shift. We're talking about sex. Okay. Not today. Not today. But soon. Um, and so, anyway, um, the orientation is, this, so if there's an addicted person, usually there are people around that person that are enabling. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, the enabler, the person who enables, right. who is usually... Yep, or, or, just kind of says, oh, well, I mean, it's just what you do. Right. It's just how they are. Or, you know, I would much rather be helping them, even though I know that it's bad, Mm -hmm. so that they're not homeless, or so that they're not uncomfortable, or so that they're not blah, blah, blah. So that they're happy. Right. But usually someone in addiction isn't happy. Right. There's not... There's not something good there. Well, there's something pervasive going on. Exactly. And so that's the orientation or the the perception or the perspective that Melody Beattie comes from. Um, I do teach a workshop on this. And so I'm going to give a little uh, snippet or synopsis of of the things that I teach in the workshop today in our conversation. Awesome. Uh, But from my handout, I do want to read just a tiny bit from... um, Codependent No More. This is on page five. And so it says people who had gotten so absorbed in other people's problems that they have not, they ha- they didn't have time to identify or solve their own problems. These people were people who cared so deeply and often destructively about other people that they had forgotten to care about themselves. That's significant. That's something to think about. That's huge. That's like 50% of my graduating cohort. Right. And it's, it's a lot of people, like 90% of the humans that come and see me. The codependent felt responsible for so much because the people around them felt so little, so little responsibility that they were just taking up the slack. Wow. And so that's really something to consider. Yeah. Um, one of the, the ways that I help clients and people who come in to identify how it shows up is I've created a little like questionnaire slash Likert scale. Are you going to questionnaire me? 
I am. All right. Uh, I'm ready now, for my quiz. How would you identify today versus like when we met a year ago? Or more than a year ago? Oh, it's pretty codependent. Okay. And I was in a toxic, toxic relationship trying to make that person happy. Right. Because they just weren't. And I felt it was my responsibility and duty because they were happy when we started dating and then they weren't happy anymore. So I was like, I just want to make you happy. Right. So. And you assumed that either they weren't happy because of you or right. that you were imbued with some kind of magical power to be able to do that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So. I've got skills. i got mad skills. Everybody's happy no this person wasn't <laughs> but yeah no it was a yeah I was a lot different because I yeah. was in that really toxic sure relationship and kind of doing doing what I could to make that person happy because I just felt like it they was your responsibility it was my responsibility because I felt they weren't happy with anything and so I want you to consider these questions or these you know kind of statements and of how I was a year ago? Of how about, you were a year or ago. Or how I am now that I'm out of that. So, okay. a year ago. A year ago. Okay. Right. So, over-identifying with people close to you and taking responsibility for their feelings. Yeah. Okay. And we just, that's no, what we just, we just talked said, about right? that. Taking responsibility for other people's shortcomings or behaviors. Yeah. Okay. I'll, and I'll you, do, I did that. Yep. All the chores, all the this, everything. And because they work so hard or because they're yeah. tired or because they're... Tired not in a place time. to do that right so i'm gonna i'm gonna compensate Stressed out their job is harder than my job no fucking work is hard right okay anyway enabled relationships that don't have clear boundaries yeah and we've both talked about the fact that we grew up that way like those right. are things that kind of happened in our family of origin those kinds of things little regard for other people's boundaries now this one often makes people uncomfortable because we like to be like yeah, I totally, I do that. I like, I don't, I, I respect other people's boundaries. Right. But when someone comes home and they're in a bad mood and you're just like, Hey, are you okay? And they say, yeah, I'm just tired. They've set a boundary by saying, I'm just tired. Sure. This has nothing like that. Has but nothing. then you're like, but really, but did but you really, eat? but what's going what's on going with you? On? Exactly. Yes. It's that follow up of like, they set a boundary. They told you what they were feeling. Yep. And yet you're still like, let me fix it. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. Instead of being like, get your happy, unhappy. Or just go take bed. care of you. Right. Yes. Go and take a bath. Like I, go do self care. I'm going to sure. go to the gym. Yep. I noticed that, um, I do this and I've done this to you before where, um, we'll have dinner right. and then I will just give them my card. And I have said to you and others, don't ask questions. Yeah. I'm not asking. Right. That is a thing that I have said often. Yeah. That is me not respecting someone else's boundary. Right. And not really listening to if someone is offering to pay or split it or whatever. What their need is. Right. Yeah. And I surpassed that. So I, that's something I'm still working on. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's something to be aware of. Uh, often feeling like you can or should control how other people behave or feel. Yeah. One of my favorite statements where a light goes off is, I just don't want them to be upset. But you're not in control of the other person's feelings. Well, not only that, but people are going to feel how they feel. They're entitled to their feelings. Yes. Everyone's entitled to how they feel. That's theirs. Right. But it's not up to you it, to control, mitigate, protect. Take ownership of. Oh, 100%. And there are so many parents that don't want, you know, little Johnny or little Susie to be upset. Right. And, you know, they're asking a two-year-old their opinion on, should we go now? 
uh, no. <laughs> You're the parent. You're the grown-up, right? You're They're going to be upset and that's okay. Right. Or I don't want to upset, you know, my partner. Well, here's what I've heard. Your partner gets upset about a lot of things. Right. What would it be like for them to get upset and then figure it out? Whoa, have to find your own solutions. Right, exactly. And yeah. so those are things that when you start to reflect on them, you go, oh, well, that's the thing I do. Um, having a hard time saying no to people you care about, but also with people whose opinions you value. Yeah. It is difficult to say no to your boss who expects you, because you've always said yes, right. to stay late or do extra work or right. take on extra things. Absolutely. And it's certainly hard to say no to your partner that you love right. and, you know, they're like, hey, do you want to go see this movie? And you're like, no, I don't really want to. Okay. Right. But if you practice it more often, then they start to recognize, oh, well, you did this for me the last time. Um, it's okay. You don't have to go. Right. Or, you know, we can do something else. Right. But if you're always saying yes, right. people get used to that. Or if you're always saying no, right, people get used to that. 100%. All right. Feeling tired or overcommitted? It's because you're saying yes to everything. Exactly. You're putting way too much on your plate. You're saying, yes, I can do a full-time job and do a full-time like house and do a full-time yeah and everything. coach little do, league and yeah do all the things at pta and yeah, yeah. yes 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 Absolutely. you can fill your all your hours in your day right so personal sacrifice with little or no gain yeah if you feel like you're sacrificing often and and we'll talk about that but that builds resentment well and that sacrifice in a in a relationship is not seeing your friends mm-hmm. that sacrifice is not seeing your family that sacrifice is not doing the things that you love and that you're passionate about that sacrifice it it just shows you stop going to the gym you You stop stop eating well you stop yeah all of those things that are part of self-care right you stop doing right and then you start to feel resentful you start to feel angry you start to feel better you start to feel you start to feel empty you're not self-caring and filling your beautiful vessel with all the things that you fill you yeah that fulfill you that make you feel good right you're just gonna empty yep absolutely um personal values are based on how you are perceived by others so that's huge in our society with social media everybody is putting out that perception of this is who i am and this is how you should be and then and then people well and then people absorb that and they're like this is how i should be and then they're not really following their own passions or goals or or Things that are important to them. Absolutely. Right? They're not and being so, mindful of what it is that they seek enjoyment in. They're just trying to emulate. What other people suggest that they should be doing. Right. Or th- what other people are doing and then they put that construct on them that I should be doing this. Oh, everybody's getting married. I should be getting married. Right. And now I'm somehow less than right. or unfulfilled or. And now I'm even more in it. Yes. Something's wrong with me. So. Exactly. And so that contributes to like that depression that we talked about or that anxiety that by this age I should have done this thing or I should have been this thing. Right. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. That's that forward thinking of anxiety that's causing that mm-hmm. anxiety. Uh, low self-concept. So not feeling really good about yourself. And then, you know, we've talked about that specifically as it relates to witnessing other people right. or how other people feel about you. Um, intense discomfort with conflict or people b- being disappointed or angry with you. 
Yeah. I still struggle on that one. Yeah. I don't like people. I don't like to disappoint people. So I've like just liked it down to a few. I just don't want to disappoint my boss. Yeah. Because I love my job. Well, there you go. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that, you know, and, and for our listeners, I want you to start to think about if you are, if any of these ring true for you, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're welcome to come to a workshop. <laughs> we put them on Instagram and, and then you can come to Albuquerque. Um, I may be hosting something online. Perfect. Eventually. Um, so but if the, some of those ring true. It's something to consider. It's something to start to think about. Right. And right. start to process. And start to pay some some attention to, to start being conscientious about. Yeah. You know, we talked in the mindfulness and self-care, like identifying, even in depression, that voice mm-hmm. in your head or that, that whatever that voice is saying. So. Right. Whatever that message is or that discomfort, that thing that makes you feel like, oh, that's probably not, I need to work on that. Right. right? So if anything on that list that we were going over kind of made you feel icky. Yeah, I mean, I would I recommend uh, the Codependent No More book often. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it can be really intense to read it, but more often than not, what I have heard from clients is that it feels like, you know, someone looked at their life and was like, oh, I don't like that that I have been now identified as one of these. And so that talks about the kinds of codependents there are. Um, these are examples. Uh, so a parentified child is, is a child that has had to take the parent role. Um, and it's interesting because that's also, you know, if, if you've been identified as the, the mom of your friend group or, you know, okay, dad, like the one who always like monitors everything, or if you right. take the parent role in your relationship and in your intimate relationship, um, right. first of all, it's not sexy yeah. to tell someone to, Hey, did you pick up your socks? Hey, have you made this appointment? Hey, have you followed through with this thing? Like, that's not attractive. Well, and I think both parties in that example would become resentful. Absolutely. Like saying, like, you're always riding my ass and nagging me to, like, do stuff. I'm a grown-ass adult and I'll do it in my time. Right. And then the other one's like, this person's not meeting my expectation or doing what I told them or all these things. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Resentment grows, builds, proliferates. Absolutely. And and builds space between you mm-hmm. that's not constructive. Right. Right? So having space is a good thing. Mm-hmm. As long as it's mutually agreed upon, it's when you're pulling back and and not, you know, not feeling connected with your partner. Right. That's significant. When you feel like when you walk in the door, you're like, I got to nag their ass or I got to tiptoe around them. Right. Because they're not good feelings. No. And so the other ones, uh, so being a, a yes person, mm-hmm. uh, so someone who always says yes. And, and you know, you know, if you work with other people, now we'll just ask so-and-so to do it because they always say yes. Which, yeah. that's a problem, you yeah. know, if, if you've already been identified as the yes person. Or certainly if your boss uh, or higher-ups have said, oh, well, they'll do it. Right. You know, that's not helpful because then you're overcommitted and you're tired. Right. Well, and you're just burning it on both ends and probably not practicing good self-care. Right. If you're saying yes to everything, where's the time for you? And you're going to burn out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you're going to hate your job. Or your boss. And then you're going to be or frustrated your with your kids and your, your partner. You're going to take it out on those who are closest to you. Because, yes. like, that's the best victim to, like, well, that, attack is those who love you the most. Because you think or well, you, assume, you know, assume yeah. that they're not going to go anywhere when you're, like, Constantly it bringing it home to them. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that we've identified, I feel like we've pretty much cleared up what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, some helpful resources... Uh, like I said, codependent no more. Um, there's some boundary things to look at. 
there's a workbook that goes along with Codependent No More. Um, if you are doing Audible, which I do a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely encourage buying the workbook or, re- or renting it from the library so that you can kind of do the exercises and start to identify how you are showing up in the world that isn't helping you. Right. Right? Um, so the best way to combat codependency is boundaries. Boundaries are the space and distance. There was a thing that I saw. Uh, what did it say? It said boundaries are is the space in which I can love you and love me. Mm. Or at something the same time. Like something at the like same that. time. Yeah. Right? Because it's healthy to have mm-hmm. boundaries. And I think a lot of people think of boundaries as a as a bad thing. Right. Like, you know, nobody wants to be the no person. Nobody wants, you know, or they do. Or they do. Right. Because they have the boundaries. Because they have the mindfulness. You know, they know what they need to do to say no to take care of themselves or to combat the depression or their anxiety. Sure. Boundaries are important. And I talk a lot about the boundaries being the separation between where you end and where someone else starts. Nice. Right? In relationships and, and in certain relationships, like... Mother child, for example, right. uh, with a baby, it's very hard to delineate a boundary because one, they're on your body constantly, yeah, um, and even if you're not it, right, they're growing in it, growing and then in it, feeding on feeding it. on it, right, all of those things, and then you know they need to be cuddled and loved and hugged and touched yeah. and all those things. Um, the same is true in a new relation, like a new romantic relationship. Um, oftentimes, there's a lot of close proximity. There's a lot of touching. Um, if it's an intimate relationship, there's literally no boundaries sometimes. <laughs> um, unless you're using condom and you should always practice safe sex. But yes. um, it, it is that awareness of those things. And certainly with like best friends or people who are close. Family. Um, family, right. Like yeah. my sisters often uh, will... I'll make a plate of food and they'll be like, can you make me one because I like yours? Can I just have yours? You know, I used to joke when my siblings were younger and I was like, you could have the most disgusting thing and they'd want to bite if they knew that it was mine. Yeah. Right. And that's just like a, it's yeah. a, a lack of awareness. Obviously, little kids are just like, I want whatever you have. Right. Um, but even like friends, you know, like I'm going to have a drink from your drink or, you know, give me a bite of your food and, and with your partner, that's kind of normal. Right. Um, but there are people with some boundaries who are just like, no, uh, I had once had a friend we were going to get nachos, and uh, and she looked at me, and she's like, I'm not really good at sharing, so you're going to have to get your own, which was a boundary, awesome. and, and I was surprised, because again, growing up with all these siblings who always touched my stuff and took my things, <laughs> I was like a little bit uh, shaken by it, but then I was like, okay, and I got my own nachos, and it was fine. And it was great. Um, but it is something, she grew up as an only child, and that was her normal. Um, and the fact that she was able to express it was awesome. That is awesome. That is like a healthy boundary, well-adjusted human. Right? Um, and you and I have certainly gotten better with boundaries. Yeah, I like to say no a lot. <laughs> or when I'm tired, I'm just like, I'm tired. I'm going home. I don't push it myself anymore. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, taking a At day work. for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the... I don't feel like it today. I'm going to call in and use one of those 258 days of sick leave I have accrued. Right. Because I just, this is my boundary. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. So and I'm if I say had, no to this. Yep. If I've had a rough day at work or a rough week, my plans for the weekend may be adjusted accordingly. Absolutely. Or even your evening plans. Like sure. if you're out and about and you 
put two or three things on the agenda for the evening and you get through like number one and you're like, oh, I'm feeling tired. It's okay. And you're in a friend group. Tell your friends, I'm, you know, I'm feeling tired the rest of the night. Sounds like so much fun, but I don't well, want that. I just don't want that. Like I need to listen to where I'm at and what I need right now. So I'm just, I'm going to go home. Yeah. And if you have healthy relationships, they're going to be respectful of that. Absolutely. They're going to be encouraging and they're going to be accepting and, and just kind of, yeah, absolutely. Go take a review. You know, it was really right. great seeing you. Thanks for coming out this time. Uh, right. My girlfriends always laugh because I usually leave by eight. So it's <laughs> shocking when I'm out till 10. But it Party is, it, all right. It's something to be aware of in setting your own boundaries. And if you have healthy, close relationships, those people are going to honor that. Absolutely. And they might feel uncomfortable or upset about it, but they're going to get over it. Right. And that's on them to process out why that made them feel uncomfortable. Exactly. Like your nachos example, you were like, oh, taken aback because your yours is like, oh, I'm used to everybody eating and sharing and doing all the things. Right. right? So it's It was a little jarring. It's jarring. Yeah. You're like, well, I'm not used to this. But you got over it because I'm sure you guys went out again. Right. And leaned into it and it was right. fine. Absolutely. Yeah. So those those are things to be aware of. Um, I often tell clients and humans and all the things. Um Mind your own business. Stay in your lane. Yes, stay in your lane. That's a huge one for me at work yeah. this, this year. Because I've been a yes, I'm a yes person at work because mm-hmm. I work with the tiny humans, mm-hmm. right? And I want to make sure everything's taken care of for them. And so I'm very, I'm a huge advocate. I, I've done a lot of advocacy in the past. Um, And so, yeah, stay in your lane though. Because right. you know, I've got students coming in and I'm like, honey bear, Sugar pie, like this is a social work issue. I'm I not, can't help I'm you not a social worker. Right. I, you can stay here, you can calm down, you can relax. I will give you some snacks, but I'm gonna go ahead and send an email to a social worker and let's get you connected and I'll walk you over. Nice. Stay in your own lane. Could mm-hmm. I provide those therapeutic interventions that that student is needing at that moment? Absolutely, I'm trained to do that. Um, but but that's not what but your that's job not is. My job in this scope. Yeah, that's not my job in this scope. You know, I have kids coming. Miss, I'm not feeling well. Okay, the nurse's office is right down there. Let me walk you down to the nurse's office. Good. I'm not even going to have you sit in my office or anything. Get down there. Right. You know, and so for me, that's been hard in the past is the is because I do work with youth, because I do work with children, is having that, like, stay in your own lane when it comes to their care. Yep. But you know what? It takes a village. It does. And, and- i got to stay in my own lane. And it, it helps you to also maintain your self-care. Absolutely. In knowing that you're not going to overreach. Absolutely. And do something that might not be good for you or them. Right. Absolutely. Right? Or my professional relationships. You know, absolutely. if I start providing counseling and social work services, we have those on staff. Like, that's their role in their job. They, mm-hmm. you know, them feeling offended then maybe like, hey, why are you, why are you doing this? Right. Why aren't you just doing what you're supposed to do? I'm like, well, I am. Plus your job. That's not my job to do. No. That's theirs. That's why, they're on, that's why they're on staff. And that's the other thing to think about. And, and I often ask clients, like, is that yours or is that theirs? Oh, yeah. And once they start to, to reframe that orientation to, oh, wait, that's not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually the first step. And I have clients go, okay, what I want you to do this week between now and the next time I see you is if something comes up, let's say your friend has a, cro- a problem or a crisis or whatever. Right. Recognize if your choices created that or if their choices created that. Ooh. Give us an example. 
Um, so there was a, a client who was often uh, overwhelmed and felt really burdened by her friendships. She said all of her friends would come and talk to her and all these things. And, and we've all experienced that one friend who talks about the same relationship all over and over and like over. eight months straight. Right. And you are doing your best to give them advice and then they go back to doing the thing that they were doing. Yeah. And you start to build resentment. You start to feel frustrated. You're like, you keep asking me this. I keep giving you the same answer. You keep doing the opposite. Right. At some point, really recognizing if that's their choice. That's their choice. That's their choice. And there's really nothing you can do about Just it. Just set it free. Yeah. Set yourself free. Because Stop if you're carrying off, everybody's shit. If you're often trying to fix other people's problems. You're not fixing yourself. And you're getting frustrated. You're getting re- resentful. You're getting angry. Right. Um... Uh, just a personal example, um, there have been times when family members ask for money. Okay. That's so hard. It can be. Uh, and certain family members uh, were probably not doing really good things with that money. Yeah. Uh, but they would often find themselves short of money. Right. Right? Um, once I started to say no, mm-hmm. even though it was uncomfortable, even though I was concerned that they were going to be upset with me or they were going to have feelings about that. What I started to recognize is that as I said, no, they figured it out. Right. Cause they have to. Right. Cause you're not going to mama bear them, take care of their problems. They created the situation right. that they are in. They need to manage that. Exactly. And so, you know, with addiction issues, with money problems, with romantic relationships, when you start to go, is this mine? No, it's not. Right. That's theirs. Right. Then you stop taking on extra things. Stop getting butthurt all the time because that's theirs. That's not yours. Right. I mean, the whole concept of not my monkeys, not my circus. I love that. It's my favorite saying ever. It's one of mine too. (laughs) Or your crisis does not then become mine because you're giving it to me. Right. I'm not owning that shit. Right. It's very much something to be aware of how often you are rescuing people. Yeah. How often you are... Letting their problems, burdens, challenges then become yours. Right. You really want to carry somebody to the finish line? Right. And they get first place and you get second? But the other thing is they don't ever learn how to figure things out for themselves. Exactly. So it's really disabling to be an enabler. To be an enabler. Right. It's very, yeah. Absolutely. So those are ways to kind of be aware of it. Uh, Practicing no to small things, you know. Well, you have to start somewhere. Exactly. And at first, with a no, if you're not good at it, um, feels you know, weird. Well, it does. It feels uncomfortable. Yeah. It feels really uncomfortable. And so your no can be like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you just text it? Right. <laughs> I'm it. gonna I'm gonna decline going to that event or doing that thing. And I want to follow up with because we're saying we're talking about setting boundaries and feeling like you know saying no and that can be a struggle. That's hard. Yes. I'm a yes person at work because I just love my work, right? And I want to say yes to things and I want to help, and that's just who I am. But at the same time, you just <laughs> have to say no. Right. You just have to, and it feels weird. Yes. And it feels like you let somebody down. Mm-hmm. Listen to when you start to say no, what are those voices? What's that nasty bitch in your head saying when you say that? Like, how are right. you walking away? 
and then turn that message around. Yeah. And that's the only way that you're that saying no is going to get stronger. You're going to exercise that muscle. You're going to exercise that skill. You feel more confident. You're going to feel more it. confident, and also to not providing explanations. Saying no, you don't have to be like, well, no, because or I have no, this other thing. Because, right? Yes, because we feel like when you're starting out setting boundaries that you have to justify why you're saying no or why you're declining something. Absolutely. So if you're a justifier, even if you have those boundaries, but you're still justifying, start to like pay some heed to that. Well, the other thing that it does is you're doing a no because, but you're also doing a no but. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't do it on Thursday, but I can do it on... Oh, yeah, the right? no Right, and but. then you're still saying yes. Yeah. To saying- something you don't want to do or you're not comfortable with, you don't have time with, or is against what you... Value. Right. Value yourself. Say no. Right. (laughs) Well, practice. And it does. It takes practice. It takes a lot of that self-reflection and that voice, you know, and and say, you said you wanted to say no for a reason and you did. I'm so proud of you. Right. Right? Like, good job. Praise yourself. Compliment yourself. Like, show yourself gratitude for setting a boundary, for speaking your truth. There is nothing wrong with that. People who love you are going to love you the same. Right. With that message. Now, the no. people who have often taken advantage, they're, they're gonna, the ones going to have the problem with it. They're the absolutely. ones who are going to struggle with your no. If you've always been the yes person, if you've always been the volunteer, oh, we're going to ask, you know, so-and-so because they always do it. Right. When you start to say no, you're going to get flack. That's just true. But then again, are those healthy relationships that you really want to maintain if you're working on improving yourself and your self-care and your codependency issues? Is that really then someone... That you want to keep around. That can't respect you? Yeah. Question that. And set that person free. (laughs) (laughs) With love and light, let them go. With love and light, let them (laughs) into the universe to do their thing with somebody else. Right. And, And it seems harsh, and I know that it sometimes feels... Uh, more difficult than, you know, easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, but if you start to practice it more consistently, you will start to be successful mm-hmm. in your no. Um, oftentimes, not often, but enough, uh, there are people who cancel appointments. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm usually booked out three, two or three weeks in advance. Because you have an empire. I oh, awesome. I have a, a lot going on. And yes, I'm quite successful at it. But I do recognize that if someone cancels consistently, um, you know, I rather than trying to be accommodating, well, can we get you in on Thursday or can we get you blah, blah, blah. If someone says, hey, I'm not going to make it today. Cool. I'll see you next week. Bring I time. just say, okay. Yeah. And then I wait for them to say, hey, can I reschedule? There you go. Because here's, here's my policy mm-hmm. is that, if we set up consistent appointments and you cancel more than twice, not even in a row, just twice, then you're going to fit in wherever I have space. Right. I'm not going to make space to accommodate. I recognize that things happen. I recognize that people get sick. I recognize all of those things. But I also recognize that therapy is their responsibility, not mine. Right. Ooh, I, I show that. up at work. Right. You're here. Whether or not they come in is up to them. Mm-hmm. And if they're committed and they want to make the effort to make the changes and be better, then that's on them. Right on. I can't hold their hand to do that. Well, because then you're just becoming not good in that situation. Well, right. I I almost wanted to use the term, and I got brain funked. Um, I almost wanted to say, like, enabling. You're enabling the behavior 
You know what I mean? And, and you're here to be a vehicle of change, change for that right. behavior. So Well, and, and often, and I tell clients this too, is that I think everybody needs therapy, but not everybody needs to come forever. And I, from the beginning, start with a termination plan. I love it. Yeah, you want to know where the finish is so that you can work towards the finish. And what does that mean? And what is that going to look like? And sure. how is that? The solution. Yeah. Focus. And I tell clients, like, we're going to build you with skills. Ideally, what I'd like to do, depending on your need, is do four back-to-back sessions once a week. Mm-hmm. And hopefully load you up with skills so that you can go every two weeks, use your skills, work on yourself, do those things that you want to see changed and then go to monthly and then we're done. And, and that's some therapists don't talk about termination mm-hmm. and they keep clients coming. I'm sorry, but the kind of therapist I'm not, I'm not the kind that wants to listen to you just lament about your problems. Right. I am about solutions. Right. I'm about skills. Change. Yes. Growth. And that's entirely on the client. Yep. And so I love that. I had to work on my codependency stuff before I got into being a therapist. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's it's a thing that's the way I function. It's not how everybody functions, but it's something to consider. Right. Okay. Great. So just quickly, I do want to talk about, um, okay, just the kinds of boundaries that there are. Um, do you have questions, Kat? I do not. Okay. Um, so when you come to the workshop, I do give a bunch of handouts on how to set boundaries, what boundaries look like. Um, for our listeners, I do just want to quickly go over the kinds of boundaries that there are that people aren't maybe aware of. Great. Um, and so physical boundaries, obviously space, proximity. Um, it refers to the personal space or personal touch. So. Certainly uh, in the news now in 2019, there have been a lot of things about um, Time's Up and Me Too and sexual assault and sexual harassment, uh, those kinds of things that can happen to males and females. Right. But physical space is a thing. Yeah. Uh, Have we ever had people who are close talkers? Oh, yes. That's absolutely when you read it. I was just like, oh, close talkers. Right, exactly. The ones that like kind of spit and like, oh, even if they're not spitting, just don't. Or even just like being. So I was recently in Toronto and we talked about, you know, kind of public transit and all those things. Like, fortunately, we were never there during like rush hour or like the the high traffic commuting times. But I've certainly been on buses and and places where like people are way too close to me. Elevators, nightclubs, like. Be aware of what your own personal boundary is. Where's your bubble? Right. Um, intellectual boundaries refers to thoughts and ideas. Um, you know, what are the three things that you're never, or the two things that you're never supposed to talk about in mixed Money company? Money and politics. Or politics and religion. So the three things, money, politics, and religion, yeah. right? People might have ideas that differ from yours. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-mm. But be aware of who you're talking to. Right. And how they respond. Yes. I was just going to say, watch how a person responds when the topic comes up and see if they continue and maintain, like, open physical presence, you know? Or if you see them get rigid, stand a little straighter. Cross the Pull arms, a face. Right. Like, these subtle cues will tell you, like, ooh, we're bumping up on a, on a boundary. Sure. Uh, we're bumping up on a topic that's something. Right. 
trying to change. And be aware. Like, so if you get that kind of rigid response or arms crossed or faces, you decide, but recognize that that is a way of, of conveying a boundary. Yeah. Right? That makes me uncomfortable. So then do I proceed with caution? Right. Do I just go ahead and, you know, disrespect somebody? Yeah. Or do I pull back and maybe get a different perspective? Right. Got to have your listening ears on. Absolutely. Um, emotional boundaries. Who do I feel safe being vulnerable with? No one. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> just not true. Kidding. But we all do have our people that we are very safe yeah. being vulnerable with. And then those that, no. And you can build that over time. You can also lose that over time. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's another way to think about it. Sexual boundaries, pretty straightforward. No but means no, people. Yes. <laughs> but also in terms of having conversations about intimacy and connection and sexuality. Give more examples. Extend. extend well, I mean, you know, in in we talked a little bit about dating, mm-hmm. and uh, you had mentioned this new world of kink and, oh uh, you know, at BDSM and poly and pan and all the things. Yeah, we're having a lot more conversations about sexuality now, because right. um, there was a time, certainly in our history, where we didn't talk about those things. Right. So. The assumption is they didn't happen. Well, that's not true because... It's always been happening. Right? That's how the species has proliferated or continued. That's why there's so many of us now. Right? People clearly are having intercourse. But talking about it, right? When we first start dating someone, I think it's important to have conversations about sexuality. I like this. I don't like that. Have you ever done this thing? Uh, how do you feel about this? I've never done it, but I'd be open to trying it. And be honest. Sure. That, especially if it's a new relationship, you don't want to be like, sure, I'll do all the things. Because you think that, you know, you got to build this relationship because you're a codependent person on sex. Yeah. Like, i got to be Or out, I have to do like a me. pleaser. I have to be a pleaser mm-hmm. or they won't like me. They won't like me if I don't take it up the butt. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Having those conversations and boundaries around them. If there are things that you don't like, if you've suffered trauma, if you are super uncomfortable with your body, if you're not sure if you like boys or girls or all the things. Or if you're super comfortable with your body and you're like, I want the lights on all the time. And the other person is like, I don't know what, I don't want that. (laughs) So it is, it's important to have those conversations. Uh, Material boundaries. Kat, can I borrow your car? No. Okay. Why? <laughs> <laughs> That's a no but. I know. But I did it with intention because you're yeah. my close friend and I actually would trust you to drive my car. Sure. But, but it is something, right? And then what are what are the boundaries around that? Right. Yeah. You can borrow my car, but these are the rules of my car. And these are also the limits. I'd like it back yeah. on Thursday by noon. I have a thing. And I want the tank full when you return yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Like, you can't just go drive over the border of Canada or Mexico and yeah. sell my car. And I want you to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, and all of those are boundaries. Those are all boundaries. Awesome. Limits. Time boundaries. Yeah. I'd like to be done by seven. Okay. Right? right? That's a boundary. That's a boundary. And then you have to be aware. Right. What does that look like to be done by seven? But speaking your truth is yes. so important in resentment. So if you want to be done by seven, and I'm just like, well, I planned my whole night to party with you until 930 when I know sure. you have to go to bed. Right. Um. Yeah. You just, you have to be clear. So yes. 
Yeah. And you also have to be aware of what is going to work for you. Right. What your needs are. Right. Absolutely. So those are examples of types of boundaries um, I think it's important to be aware of and to communicate. I feel like I could certainly talk about this, and I have talked about this topic mm-hmm. for two hours at a time. Right. Uh- <laughs> well, it's such an extensive thing, and it's, you know, it's 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 just multi-dimensional, you know. And some people are like, I'm not codependent, but if my boyfriend doesn't text me every hour on the hour, I'm getting pissed. Sure, but he doesn't know that. I have that expectation. Or maybe he does, but he has boundaries, and he's like, I don't want to be on my phone all the time. And, yeah. So, technology and dating and boundaries and... It's a thing. Codependency. Yes. Easy access to everybody to cross those boundaries. Yeah. While utilizing text messages or whatever. Well, and we talked about, like, in the dating thing, like, sending uh, privates, pictures of your privates... Pictures. Upon giving somebody your phone number. Not okay. Not okay. Yeah, if that's not a thing that you're into or haven't requested, then yeah, it's easy to be like, block, nope, that's a boundary. Please don't rape my eyeballs. <laughs> One more thing, and then we were going to close it up, but there are degrees and levels of boundaries. So if you think about, and I often use a lot of uh, metaphor, but you think about the difference between just space mm-hmm. versus like a fence versus like a wall. Versus like a fortress. Ooh. Right? So there are a lot of degrees. And and you can start, some people will start and have learned, you know, fortress. Just keep myself safe. The most secure wall there ever was. But how do people get in? How do you get out? Right? right? If you are more open to a lower wall, Mm -hmm. something you can see through, Mm -hmm. you know, or even just a a fence Mm -hmm. with a gate. Mm-hmm. That you get to open and close at your discretion. I love that. And then there's like no boundaries, just porous boundaries. It's you just can a fire hoses. Field, <laughs> right? And that is not a good thing either. No. Right. Different and so levels. different levels. Be aware. Be aware of where you are, where you'd like to go, what what you would like to establish mm-hmm. with people that you want in your circle. Absolutely. You know, and and where are they in proximity to? You and are you meeting your needs and are they meeting their own? Right. Can you be the yes person at work and not be codependent? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Because you do have those healthy boundaries that you do maintain. So when you you do say no, people know that's their no. Yeah. Like typically, Miss says yes. But today she said no. Yeah. Oh, she has boundaries. Okay. So also, too, we talked a lot about, you know, traits and features mm-hmm. and such of codependency. Just because you said yes to the questionnaire does not, like, uh, you know, 100% doesn't mean that you're codependent. Or it could be. But or, these are but just indicators. There's things to, to work on. To start thinking about, to start processing, mm-hmm. to start working on. Yep. Especially if they're pervasive. The bottom line is, like, anything you're doing in your life, if it's bad for you, you're feeling empty, you're feeling... Resentful, resentful or angry or sad right. or frustrated. Then, yeah, something's going on. Sure. So. And that's where you evaluate the relationship and the boundaries for it that need to be set. Absolutely. The, the one indicator, and I often use this with clients, is if your yes makes you feel uncomfortable, yeah. that's where a boundary needs to be set. Shabam. Right? Let's close on that. Let's do that it. That was prolific. <laughs> I loved it. And I love our podcast and I love our listeners. Thank you so much. This topic is huge. It is huge. And, and obviously we'll, we'll do more on it. 
Thank you again to everyone who's listened, downloaded, shared our podcast. I've gone back and listened to them. I know Kat has. Um, We're having a lot of fun doing it. And so thank you to those of you who are listening to us. And we are, you know, available and open for feedback. If you have questions, I definitely think that kind of sex is a thing we need to talk about. Sex! Maybe prepping is a thing we need to talk about. Yes! (laughs) Uh, So we've got other topics. We'll definitely keep them coming. Thank you so much. If you do need to reach us, it's X to the Zennial, the letter X, the number two, T-H-E-X-E-N-N-I-A-L at Gmail. You can also follow us on Instagram, X to the Zennial podcast. Good night and have a great week. Thank you.